You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Okay. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Made some uh, made some banana chocolate chip cookies yesterday. Evil. Evil things. Evil things. You know, I'm a healthy eating kind of person, but I had some bananas left over that were just going bad. You know how you kind of, like, if you're going to make, like, a banana cream pie or something, you want the bananas to be mm-hmm. really, really ripe. Well, I had three bananas that went really ripe, and I thought, rather than throw them away into the compost pile, I was just going to say, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to make some cookies out of them. And boy, did they turn out good. So, where would you like to start today? We could start with some some fun things, yeah? Okay, About yeah. The, let's, go, uh, let's go fun. Not Chris Cuomo, right? Um no, yeah, no, that that's he's not real fun. Honestly, I, I don't I don't care to give him more uh, publicity. No, um, okay. The U.S. is officially demanding Prince Andrew for questioning. Okay, and uh, all right, uh, this is the Epstein in the case thing? of Epstein. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, can we actually get our hands on him? That's the question. Well, we've been wanting to question him for a while, and he's been refusing, and. I'm not sure if if they put in like a you know subpoena or whatever. Uh, I I don't know if that uh, if the UK government would oblige. I'm not really sure. He seems to be on the outs with the royal family, so maybe they would uh, ship him over. I'm not really sure. Might have to get Marty's take on that. See what he says because uh, he did mention a while back that the US is wanting him for questioning. So who knows? All right? Who knows? But he could get some time in prison for that. Right. It's possible. The thing is, with this, the black book that Epstein had, um, I mean, he was keeping track of everybody that was involved and and their dealings. Uh, I don't know. It just maybe there's something there that they know that uh, that, you know, they're going to interview him on, quiz him on. And uh, honestly, I think I think he's got I think he's got some dirt, too, because you can't be that high up and involved in stuff like that and not know some names. So I'm betting that he's got some names that he can cough up. And I'm betting that it's probably going to go along lines of, um, well, we'll just have to wait and see, huh? Well, this is this is what I'm concerned with with this case is they were skirting the law. And what I mean by that is having women from certain, for example, here in the U.S., each state has kind of their own age of consent, right? Maybe they were skirting the law by getting the youngest they could get by in terms of states, you know, and I, I don't know, man, it, it just going to other countries, uh, you know, the legal age changes. So I, I honestly right. don't know how they were right. doing this and the legality of it. It's despicable either way. It is. It is. And we uh, we had a kind of, you know, behind the scenes talk about it uh, on one other project we're working on, which everyone will get a chance to hear that, by the way, but just not quite yet. So you're just going to have to wait for it because we're still working on it. Keeping with despicable individuals, let's talk about the Democrats taking a knee. Yeah. Uh, I uh, Yeah. I'm not thrilled by this one we, we don't uh, we don't bow to terrorists but you know, no right. no no we don't do that and i i'm just okay first of all the only person okay nadler's not taking a knee right i'm sure he's got some kind of an issue there but what's with the scarves 
I, I have to ask, what's with the scarves? The only thing I can figure with the scarves based on the color and everything is it has something to do with Africa. Okay. All right. So, all right. This is what basically what the Democrats have done. I'm talking like Pelosi, uh, Schumer, Nadler, these hacks, right? They all took a knee in the U.S. Congress building, right? Of course, you see, you notice how they're all social distanced and like like yeah. they cared about that when they were out in the streets with the rioters, right? Like they cared about that. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing masks mm-hmm. and, uh, and they're all taking a knee and they've all got these scarves on. Who are they pandering to? Who? This is ridiculous. People people have got to be able to see through this nonsense, right? I mean, they're, they're the ones like they're, they're out there fueling this 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 smashing up of small businesses. So anyway, um, Democratic lawmakers knelt in silent tribute to George Floyd in the U.S. Congress on Monday before unveiling a package of sweeping police reforms in response to the killing of African-Americans by law enforcement. I don't even know what to say to this. I, I really don't even know what to say to this because they're talking about a sweeping package of police reforms. Since when do we legislate reforms of police departments at the federal level. Since when do we do that? We don't do that. We don't have a federal police department, unless you want to call it the FBI, but that falls under justice. This is why guys like Al Sharpton come out and say, oh, well, we need to federalize the police. They don't have control of it. It's a state and local issue. So they uh, have no oh, business. Hold on, hold on. They want to federalize it? Are, are you sure, Democrats? Well, that's what, that's that what Sharpton, that's what Sharpton I, no, said no, over the years. I, I understand. I understand. But- are you sure, Democrats, that you want Trump to have control of the police? Just throwing that out there. Actually, I, I think that they want control of a federal police department as long as they're in power. Right. See, they're so naive yes. that they think that that's the way things are always going to be. In reality, these people are on the verge of going to prison for a very long time. Just saying, due to this, the hearings that have started in the other side of the uh, the Capitol building, that's all I'm going to say on it. But so, yes, they're all doing this, uh, this whole kneel uh, pandering thing. You know, it's just I, it, it's disgusting, really, to, to just see this. You know, everybody knows I, I'm going to say this again. This is probably going to be one of the last times I say this, but everybody acknowledges that what happened to that guy was terrible. Right. He deserved his day in court, period, end of story. But the idea that they're turning him into this symbol, right? Even his family's come out and said, what are you people doing? Right? What are you people doing? Nancy Pelosi was in row three of George Floyd's funeral. No social distancing, no masks, right? She was out in the protests, or as she called them, saying that people were trying to social distance. Please, please, you hypocritical, sanctimonious frauds, all of you. These people are despicable. Look at them. Look at him down there. Uh, where was the law enforcement enforcing uh, churches not gather? Well, I see. That's OK. That's OK, because because public health uh-huh. right, is a more of a concern when it comes to racism. See, uh, that, that's their yeah, call. I mean, we yeah. talked about it this morning, right? The guy, uh-huh. with the, the guy with CrossFit. Yeah. Right. Floyd 19. Right. That, that thing mm-hmm. that the tweet he put out. So it's, it's more of an issue with that. But anyway, they said that this is a national th- this movement of national anguish is being transformed into a movement of national action by burning down businesses. National that is that what you're calling national action by smashing up stores, by looting, by rioting, by beating people in the streets almost to death in some cases, by killing people? That's national action to you people? These people don't stand for anything. They stand for destruction and mayhem. That's all they stand for, if you even want to call that something. The Justice and Policing Act introduced in both chambers of Congress would make it easier to prosecute officers for abuse and rethink how they recruit and train. See, they just don't want the police to be able to do anything. That's the whole point. You're you're hearing the calls about disbanding police departments, uh, which, by the way, Joe Biden's not on board with that, is he? No. I would also like to point out that this bill, I I just pulled it up. It's uh, 134 pages long. Okay. I mean, that's that's reform, right? Well, reform to them, they oh, just well, want it all shut down. But Well, I mean, they just popped it out in 
you know, a couple days a week. I mean, they just popped out 134 pages of. Okay, of so they what you're saying is, through. yeah, what what you're saying is is that uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and Jerry Naylor sat there and penned it themselves. Is that what you're saying? Late into the night, late into the night, yeah, and and thoroughly thought through each one of these points and debated it amongst themselves. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is, is these were these have been around for a while. They've been sitting yeah, on this but, thing for a while now. Yeah, of course they have. Just like that three trillion dollar spending bill, you remember that. Right. They were sitting uh, on that one for a while. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Biden. Right. Let's jump over to Biden. Right. Because we I mean, that's that's about all, you know, d- disgusting display of whatever it is they're doing. Biden rejects calls to defund the police department and plans to increase investment in community policing. See, he wants to add more money to it. So this is their nominee. Right. This is their guy. So wh- why are they not following his lead? Well, it's kind of a he's kind of in a rock and a hard place because on one side, you have the unions that he has to support. But then on the other side, they have the the extreme left that he's trying to, to garner attention from. So he's kind of in a, a catch-22. So does he mm-hmm. support the police or does he support the, the leftists? And he's sided with the police in this case. Right. And that's I mean, that's the thing, because I don't think that's going to gain him any favors, which it still remains to be seen whether or not they're going to keep this guy on the ticket. Right. At this point, they're going so long. They have close to the poll I seen 69 percent favorability for him. So uh, or excuse well, me, enthusiasm for Biden. OK, I don't know well, how you can be enthusiastic about a guy that can't remember what he had for lunch yesterday. L- let's be honest. I mean, Unless it involved pudding, then he remembers it. You know, Hillary Clinton, I think that's a pretty conservative poll, considering Hillary Clinton had over 95 percent support going into her campaign, you know, on Election Day. So, I mean, to, to say that this guy has, what did you say, 65 percent or 68 percent, whatever, you know, it's Six, just under 69. Yeah, 69 percent. OK, well, he's lagging a little yeah. bit here. I mean, he, do, he doesn't have that locked up then. But uh. He's come out. Uh, his one of his spokesmen has come out. And he said, because obviously Joe couldn't be as articulate as this. Uh, he says, as his criminal justice proposal made it clear months ago, Vice President Joe Biden does not believe that the police should be defunded. This is his spokesman, uh, Andrew Bates. Biden supports the urgent need for reform, including funding for public schools, summer programs and mental health and substance abuse treatments separate from funding for policing so that officers can focus on the job of policing. He is in between the rock and a hard place, isn't he? He can't yeah. like he they they've put him in a real jackpot here. So he can't mm-hmm. publicly come out and say that he endorses A, B and C and then D, E and F don't support that. Like he he can't, he can't yeah. do that. So he's kind of stuck right in between that. And it, it sucks to be him. It sucks to be him because what's he supposed to do? If you've got a national call now by these these radicals to come out and and overthrow the police departments, which we're going to talk about that here in just a minute with uh, with Minneapolis, because they've actually decided to do this. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But this is not the way. Th- this isn't the way. Every time you get rid of a police department in history, every time a country's done that, it's a one way ticket to anarchy. That's what it is. So what's this guy going to do in order for him to get out of this jackpot? What do you think he's going to have to do? I honestly have no idea how he's going to get out of this one. Well, Democrats can't do any wrong, right? Like they can get by with just about everything. If you would have said, like, put put him in Donald Trump's place, okay? Put him in Donald Trump's place. If he had said, let's say Donald Trump said the same things that he said on the Breakfast Club podcast, what would have happened to Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah, you oh, see what I mean? Man, he would have been. You see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, this, uh, th- th- I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen here. 
I mean, y- you people are trying everything. I'm talking about the Democrat Party. You people are trying everything. You've done this COVID crap that blew up in your face. Oh, excuse me. L- let me go back even further. You did the, the porn star thing that blew up in your face. You did the Russia collusion that blew up in your face. You did the impeachment that blew up in your face. You did the COVID thing that blew up in your face. You're doing riots now. That's falling apart. You're starting to go back to COVID. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? I think I think one of their long term plays for this, it could be the more I thought on it, it could be what you said. It could be the overloading of non proof of intent on the charges of the police officers in Minneapolis and they walk. What do you think? I absolutely think that's a thing unless they're willing to dig in further and and there's something else going on there, you know, some kind of dirty cop situation, you know, but no, I think they're they're absolutely going to use that and try to exploit that, that exploit that. Yeah, I'm actually I'm doing better today. I'm not getting worked up. I'm not shouting. You know, you're kind of you're keeping me in check. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to have a it, yesterday when we did situational awareness, when Marty and I sat down to situa- situational awareness, it was so nice to not talk about riots. It was so nice to not talk about that stuff for one day. It was nice to just have an off-topic conversation. We should pick something else (laughs) pretty soon. We should pick something else pretty soon. So Biden doesn't support defunding the police, right? He doesn't support that. But the Minneapolis City Council do. So Minneapolis City Council members intend to defund and dismantle the city's police department. They actually put in something that was called a um, a veto-free amendment, like, a, uh, excuse me, a veto-free proposal or something, meaning whatever they say is what it's going to be and you can't change it. So you, you can't um, veto it? Well, sort of. So basically what they're meaning there is they have 12 delegates, I believe, or whatever you want to call them, and nine of them have pledged that they're going to vote for this. So it's veto free, meaning, you know, they, they have too many people to, to veto it. So I, I think that's what it means. OK, so this is what they said. Nine members, right? Yeah. Nine members of the Minneapolis City Council announced on Sunday they intend to defund and dismantle the city's police department following the uh, police killing of George Floyd. OK, because one cop did that. You're going to shut down the whole police department. How much sense does that make? How in the hell? What are you going to do with all the other cops there? What? They're all guilty now? They're collectively guilty? This is a quote from the council president, Lisa Bender. OK, yeah, she she looks and sounds like she's been on a bender, right? I'm just going to say that. We committed to dismantling police as we know it, as we know it, you hear this, as we know it mm-hmm. in the city of Minneapolis and to rebuild our community. This being burned down and torched, by the way, a new model of public safety that actually keeps our community safe. A new model of public safety. What's that going to be? Social distancing, segregation, credit score. I don't know. They all sound like they're plausible at this point. The idea of no police department is certainly not in the short term, she added. Not in the short term. Well, I mean, that's one of the goals of socialism, right? Marxism is to get rid of the police force. Yes, they have. To, that's that's one of the, the pinnacles of it. You have to in the in the process of it, like through the socialist process, you, you have to dismantle it. However, you restructure it and you reorganize it into something that's far worse. And you base mm-hmm. it on the ideology of whoever, you know, the tyrannical rule uh, is is conjured up by. And it's really it's disgusting. But she says, right, she she uh, she tweeted earlier this week. She says, yes, we're going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department and replace it with a hear me, replace it with a transformative new model of public safety, a new model of public safety. So let me get this straight. You're going to get rid of people that keep law and order because of one bad apple. Well, in this case, four, 
right? Four, four bad apples. You're going to get rid of a police department that keeps the community safe at night because four people made a decision that ended up in the de- a needless death of one guy. And you're telling me that things are not going to descend into anarchy in that city because what? You're going to create a committee and you're going to create rules for that committee and they're going to they're going to go out and enforce it. Are you going to create what you had in the Soviet Union called the Sheka? Do I need to tell you what those people did? Go read about them if you think I'm making it up. Those were some of the most ruthless, bloodthirsty mercenaries that history's ever seen. And what they did to people was I mean, it was just it was so horrible. It was so horrible. The, the amount of humiliation, the amount of demoralization, what they did to people. It's just it's sick. It's sick that a human being can do that to another human being. And I'm not excusing every other totalitarian act in history. Of course not. But my point is, is when you remove a legitimate police department, though they have bad cops, they're poorly trained or whatever, you can fix that. You can fix that. You don't create police reform by dismantling the police department. That's that liberal lunacy is what that is in this age. But when you dismantle it and you create a new model in your image, it's hell on earth. That's what it becomes because you have incompetent people that come up with insane ideas like this and have this mindset. And so dismantling the police department? No, no. And anybody that's on board with that, I, I'll just say this, right? If you're a politician or if you're a, you know, an activist or whatever, if you're out there, if you're calling for the dismantling and the defunding of police based on our system, and you know, by the way, cops, they swear an oath to the Constitution. That's the bigger problem here. That's the bigger problem here. That's the underlying problem to them. Those people who want to defund the police departments and dismantle them, disband them, whatever you want to call it, those are the people under this just system of a constitutional republic that belong in jail. Those people are committing what's called insurrection. This is why Trump wants to invoke the Insurrection Act. That's what it's for. Uh, I, I have to agree with the Insurrection Act. I think this is the time to, to use it. If I don't know when else you would use it other than when they have violent violence rising up and saying they're in a revolution. I mean, you've had people, I don't know if you've seen the social media posts about it, but they're saying this is their revolution. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say it's warranted. Dismantling the police. I, I have an idea. Why don't we just, you know, for a time in these places, why don't we just, you know, when you call in 911, if you, if you have any problems with the police or whatever, just be like, well, I'm sorry, we, we can't help you. There, there's no police on duty. You're on your own. Good luck. Click. See what happens. See how people react. What are you going to do? Replace them with what? Social workers or whatever? Because that's one of the proposals. What are they going to do? Point their finger and nag you? I mean, come on. It's going to it's going to turn into anarchy and you're going to have people. Let's say a politician decides they're going to enact a new policy or you want to go rent a car and or rent a location or whatever. And they say this is the price and you pull a gun on them and say, no, I think the price is lower than that. What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? I'm betting it ain't going to be the Ghostbusters. Sorry, I had to. I don't know. Maybe there's a mercenary. Maybe there's a mercenary. Group <laughs> yeah, pop up could and... be. Yeah. He come out with his little <laughs> proton pack there, you know, um, uh, uh. his little uh, his little trap. Yeah. OK. Speaking of not being able to protect yourself, black Americans are packing heat. OK, this is fantastic. Right. By the way, I'm just going to throw that out there. Right. This is great. Black gun ownership was already taken off under all this. I mean, we knew this. Right. We, we knew. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. that African-American gun ownership was up, right? We knew that. But this is due to what's going on in Minneapolis, right? You've got people up there that, you know, of the African-American community, they're saying, you know what? I don't feel safe anymore. 
from what I'm seeing. And this is not illegal gun ownership. This is not thug type behavior. These are people that are going out, getting their permits, learning how to properly handle a gun in classes, getting trained by instructors to carry concealed. So, I mean, I have no problem with that. None whatsoever. I think that's great. So Aisha Mm -hmm. Williams wants her son, Caden, to learn how to shoot and safely handle a gun when he turns 10 years old. Fantastic. I learned when I was five, but... I mean, but that's that's the culture, right? That That's the culture. I was taught yep. by my father, my grandfather. I, that's that's the culture. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, you're given a little, you know, a little 22 rifle to start with. Well, it was BB gun. <laughs> then you're given the, you know, you work sure. your way up. And then, you know, that, that's what it is. So mm-hmm. the 29-year-old single mom from Minneapolis shares a love of basketball with her eight-year-old son, who in turn tries to teach her how to play Fortnite at home. Isn't that cute? <laughs> but with the space, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Quote from her. She says, I'm a single mom with a son and I'm also small, so I want to make sure I'm protecting my son and we're also saving ourselves. She says she's never shot a gun, but she's been thinking about learning how to use one for years. She just discovered the opportunity to apply for a permit and receive lessons a few days ago when a friend of hers introduced her to the Twin Cities chapter of the National African-American Gun Association. Williams, who that's fantastic. Williams, who joined through a special initiative of the chapter to pay the enrollment fees for single mothers, is part of the quiet explosion, the number of black gun owners nationwide in 2014. 19% of black households had a gun owner, according to a study by Pew Research. By 2017, that number had grown to 24%. And NAGA estimates that the percentage may now be even higher, considering the organization's membership numbers this year. The National African American Gun Association, which started with one chapter in Atlanta in 2015, now has more than 100 chapters nationwide with 40,000 members. More than 10,000 of them, like Williams, just joined this year according to the group. I have no complaints about any of this. This is a this is a fantastic thing. I mean, I'm all for I'm all for the gun ownership. I hope more people go out and are able to get concealed carry licenses or just, you know, own a gun in general. I think this is great. Trying to abolish the Second Amendment is absolutely stupid. It's on the level of trying to get rid of law enforcement, right? If law enforcement are unable to protect you, that's what the Second Amendment's for. Uh, that's your fallback. If the government becomes authoritarian and tries to take things over, well, that's also why the Second Amendment's there. So uh, I'm all for it. You know, please more more go out there and get their concealed carry license and and you know absolutely. You know, I I don't see this. I, I don't see this being reported anywhere. Oddly enough, you know, it's not in any newspaper. I don't see it on any mainstream media outlets. Which I mean, I don't really pay too much attention. But you would think that they would be reporting on something like this, right? And they're not. Why is that? They don't want people to defend themselves. That's what it boils down to, right? They want you to rely on the state. You know, obviously the state's going to take care of you. And, and you, it, 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 it's just, it's stupid. You know, the, the stances re- they're taking. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pathetic. It's, it's pathetic. I mean, this is, this is what all this is about. When you get a distorted view of history, like the mainstream media gives to you, example, the NR, what is that call that they've been saying over the last, I don't know, four or five years now? The NRA is the KKK. Isn't that what they say? Isn't that it? Yeah, pretty that, much. That's the yeah. call we hear. Okay, for those that don't know, right? And I've said this several times before, okay? The NRA was founded, it was founded to give African Americans their first gun rights to fight back against the KKK. That's why it exists. And so for them, I'm like, that's not a joke. You can go and look that up. That That's the that's the organization's founding. So for them to come out and, and placate on people and, and thinking that people are so stupid, not being able to make the distinction there, 
It, it's, it's just insane. It's insane. These people are crazy. They're insane. They just espouse this stuff with no factual basis of any kind and expect you to take it at face value just because they said it. Mm-hmm. The idea that the NRA is somehow a, a, a racist organization is ridiculous. It was founded to fight against racism. It's just, I, I, get, I get so tired of it, man. I, I get so tired of the, the hypocrisy. I get tired. I mean, they're out there blatantly, openly deceiving people and lying to people on some of our most treasured organizations that are founded like this. And it's just, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And they say this in the name, all in the name. This is what's terrible about it all. They say this in the name of fighting systemic racism. All this, all of it. Hypocrites, man. Absolute hypocrites. What do you think this will do to the crime rate, by the way? If everybody owned a gun and everybody knew everybody owned a gun, what Um, do you think that's going to do to crime rate? That's going to cause the crime rate to drop, right? Statistically, that's what it shows. Uh If you have, if you have legal lawful gun ownership with people that are responsible, then that's what will drop the crime. That right there. Because I don't see looters and rioters and and, uh, all these people smashing up stores. I don't see them attacking the businesses with people standing out front with ARs. Do you? No, no. In fact, I I actually see uh, in some cases, actually, the cops are going after him. But that's, that's, uh, you know, there there is some reforms that need to be there. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I don't see that happening. I, I didn't hear about any um, any mass casualties down in Polk County, Florida. Did you? No, no, no. Because the sheriff did what? He came out and said, our citizens like guns. I encourage them to own guns. And I'm advising them that if you come into their house to do them harm, they're going to blow you back out the door. We'll do our best to support the community. So it's you see, even there, the law enforcement is publicly making a statement saying the community will take the lead to protect themselves. We'll support them as we can, as best we can. So you can't rely on the state. You can't rely on that. There is no government when it comes to terrorism. Okay, it's just you. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but there is no government when it comes to terrorism. It's just you. This is why we did our our podcast last night on situational awareness. I encourage you, please go back and listen to it from last night. And so one of the things we didn't cover in there, we didn't cover gun ownership. We probably should have. But in this case, I mean, obviously, if you're in a certain part of the the country over there, you you are part of the world, whatever, you're kind of restricted as to what you can do. So we, uh, we specifically left that part out. However, if you have the opportunity uh, and you're in a part of the world listening to us and you have the opportunity to um, to purchase a firearm, if you don't already have one, if you're not well versed, then I would highly encourage you to do so. It's just one of those things. It's one of those things where you have it in the hopes you never have to use it. It's just that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Better to have Besides it that, and not need it than need it and not have it. Right. Yeah. Besides that, it's a good recreation. I mean, like you own it. Go to the firing range. It's fun to spend an afternoon at the firing range. That's okay. besides the point. It is. Yeah, no, I, uh, it is. No, it's it's good. To, it's good to go out there. I mean, you have to because you need to keep in practice, right? I mean, that's that's just one of the things. Right, right. Uh, let's go over to, uh, let's talk about Candace Owens, right? You know who Candace Owens is? You do. I do. Yes. Yes. Okay. So her GoFundMe. Okay. Let, let's talk about who she is. You want, you want to explain who she is? Basically, she's a black conservative, uh, which is, you know, a bad thing, apparently. Uh, according to the media. She's a black conservative. Uh, she was left-leaning, I believe, and now she's a constitutionalist. And she has her own podcast. And I don't know if she has her own TV show as well, but she has her own podcast and whatnot. So she goes out and talks about it, about uh, the Constitution and everything. Oh, the evil of that woman. The evil of that woman. Yes. What's wrong yes. with her? Clearly. So 
She is being systematically banned just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her Twitter's been shut down. Her Facebook has been shut down. Now, I think her PayPal was shut down. I think her, her PayPal business account was taken away. And now her GoFundMe page has been suspended. Mm-hmm. Specifically, GoFundMe was for a, a business, a conservative business. Uh, I think it was a conservative restaurant and they were raising money because it was destroyed in the riots. Uh-huh. And anyway, because of some things that she said on a television program and in her own program, they're removing. OK, so I see here that they're referencing uh, an interview that she did actually that you and I watched. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that this was being taken the way that it was. They're making it about uh, about what she says. Where, where she says that the fact that George Floyd is being held up as a martyr sickens me. She said he was not a good person. I don't care who wants to spend mm-hmm. that. I don't care how CNN wants to make you think he changed his life around. He was just after his sixth or excuse me, sixth or fifth stint in prison. So this is what they suspended her account for? Yep. Yep. She quoted facts about Floyd and that he had a, a cr- criminal record. Besides well, the fact been, that that's public. Yeah, so that's public had, record. Had, that's that's not it, a public, public record. record. Yeah. Exactly. And but he also had fentanyl and meth in his system. OK, when, well, when I mean, that, that so, doesn't I mean, yeah, but that doesn't excuse. Uh, OK, uh, fair, fair enough. But that, that doesn't excuse what the officer did to him. He still needs his day in court. Exactly. Exactly. And that was her point as well, is why is he a martyr when he's not a uh, why? Why aren't they using the the um, God? What, what was the police officer that was killed protecting the uh, the, the one business? Um, David Dorn. David Dorn. Police captain. Dorn. Yeah. Yes. Dorn. Why? Why? Where's the memorial for him? He he was an exemplary example of a good person. Right. And they're, instead, they're they're going for this uh, Floyd when he has a criminal record. He's not a good person. I mean, he he spent like 10 years altogether in prison or something like that. I mean, it's a good chunk of his adult life. Well, the fact is, is that, you know, I, I was having this conversation uh, the other day with somebody else and and I was saying that it's not going to it's not going to matter. Somebody was making reference to uh, to Parler because, you know, I'm more like I, myself and Marty, we're, we're dabbling in Parler, you know, doing podcast promoting, which I'll give that information uh, here shortly. But we're dabbling around over there. And Marty made a concern about uh, and, and other people have done this as well. They've made concerns about, well, this seems to be a, a place that's that's void of any kind of, uh, you know, opposing views like liberal voices, which you have the other mm-hmm. you have the, the other side of it of uh, which, by the way, Candace Owens is on Parler as well. I follow her over there <laughs> because she's not been there. And the concern was, is there weren't any uh, any liberal voices or or voices of, of controversy to have, you know, a dialectic, which I, I agree is important. Right. That, that is important. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I think that problem is going to solve itself. That That's the issue here is, is that problem is going to solve itself. And let me explain how it's going to solve itself. Same thing with people like Candace Owens and this GoFundMe stuff, the PayPal thing, Facebook, Twitter. What's going to happen is, is that these companies are going to start turning on their own as they continue to get more radical. So as Facebook continues to toe the line, Twitter continues to toe the line, Instagram and GoFundMe and PayPal and all these companies, as they continue to toe the line and as the agenda shifts, so shall everything else. And if people don't get in line and they say, well, wait a minute, um, well, I'm, I'm not on board with that, they'll start to fall away. And as soon as they start to voice their opinion in opposition, then they'll get censored. See, this is why I think that the tech censorship or the, the tech uh, deplatforming or 
antitrust acts. That's why I say it's going to come from the left, because once those companies start getting more and more radical and more and more authoritarian in and of themselves, and they start banning those voices off of there, well, those people are going to start to look for another sounding board. And then they'll naturally migrate to the places that are the up and comings that won't censor them based on what they say, unless it's, of course, you know, extremist, you know, violence kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the issue is, is right now, what's going on on Twitter? You've got an extremist platform. Same thing with Facebook. They're organizing uh, Antifa on Facebook and Twitter. That's what they're doing. And so that's considered a domestic terrorist organization. And they're allowed to organize on those platforms. I'm sorry, you're aiding and abetting terrorism. What The, the task here seems clear, but the agenda will shift. It will shift because they'll go more and more. They'll, they'll just keep pushing and pushing and taking more and more and more. And people won't go along with it. Some will, but a lot of people won't. They'll start to say, wait a minute, this, this doesn't really follow along with what I believe, kind of like what Candace Owens did. As soon as the agenda started to shift and she was just your average kind of person in the middle uh, with left-leaning views, as soon as the agenda started to shift and started to go hard left, she said, wait a minute, right? which a lot of Democrats that I know, a lot of traditional classic Democrat voters, they've done the same thing. They're like, I'm not on board with this. I'm not on board with this. So what do they do? They migrate somewhere else, right? Everyone wants to look for wherever the, uh, the alternative view is going to be. And so I think this problem will take care of itself. And you know what? More than that, if you start going after these companies at that point, and you start slapping them with antitrust, you start deplatforming them, taking their platform status away from them. If you take that away from them and they and they don't get in line, what's going to happen? Other companies will come up and eclipse them. Companies like Telegram, which is uh, a WhatsApp, you know, equivalent, except it's it's hated. <laughs> it's hated by a lot of uh, a lot of governments for for you know good reason. But same thing with Parler. Parler is is Twitter, but it's not. It, but it's not Twitter, right? It's it, it's it's a different uh, it's a different animal. But it's more free, I would argue. But the uh, the thing is, is on Parler, you don't have the angry mobs. You don't have the angry mobs. They're not there yet because the angry mobs have their sounding board. They have their echo chambers. And so when they start getting banned, I think that problem will naturally fix itself. What you're you're saying the free market's going to solve itself? Like I'm saying, I mean- it can. I'm saying it can with a little bit of aid. When I say a little bit of aid, you're going to have to have at least bare minimum, you're going to have to have the national debate about revoking platform status because they're editors, right? That's what they're doing. They're banning people if you don't have the view. Yeah, but the entire problem that we're having right now is because of government involvement. If the government wouldn't have been involved and gave them platform status, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can't argue with that. But- they gave them platform status, mm-hmm. which in turn means they can also revoke it, right? They should. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in this situation, uh, honestly, I'm for just revoking it, period, because I don't want any special, you know, special favors or whatever you want to call it. That the government's giving people or, or companies. Uh, no, you, you don't no. You treat everybody equally. That includes businesses. You, you treat all of them equally. You, you don't get any of these special favors. You don't get any subsidies. You don't get any of that, right? If you can't make it in the free market, then either you should restructure your business, branch out and do other things, or your business tanks. That's your options. And I, I, I just hate having government get involved. So yes, I'm, I'm for the, the big banks collapsing. A lot of people potentially losing their funds. It's going to hurt, but we yeah. have to get away from these. Yeah, we have to that, get away from the government regulation. Yes, yes, that part you're you're correct on, and so like the the big international financing institutions, yes, that that's got to be addressed as well. And the tech companies, 
I mean, well, you know, if we're, <laughs> if we're going right down the line, we might as well just take them too while we're at it. Keep in mind, right? I'm, I'm saying this and there's companies that I like what they're doing. Uh, as example, we've talked about it recently. Um, Tesla, Elon Musk, right? The things that he's doing there. You've got the the cars he's doing, the involvement with NASA and everything, which actually when it comes to NASA and science, that kind of thing, I'm I'm cool with it because NASA is a government organization. I'm fine with them working with companies, but I don't know that there should be any kind of favoritism. You know, they shouldn't be working with Tesla and no other company or SpaceX and no other company. But in relation to Tesla, they're given subsidies for the solar, you know, they, they do uh, solar panels and that kind of thing, batteries. And then they're also mm-hmm. given subsidies for their electric cars. No, I'm sorry. The, the free market should handle that on its own, right? And same with any kind of farming or oil and gas, you know, that kind of stuff. No subsidies. You, you get no benefits. Sorry. You know, you don't get to come in and throw money around to get politicians to do what you want. I, I'm not okay with that either, you know, lobbying. So there's a lot of reforms I would like to see happen and, and this this whole nonsense now with the police and just dividing us and everything is is honestly it's a it's detracting from the greater problems that we're running into that have caused these these issues that we're currently in Mm -hmm. this is what i was saying earlier today somebody i said like they're they're talking about like all these superficial issues you know everything on the surface and it's you know like i'm i'm getting that just throw money at it vibe like that's what i'm getting from this person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there i'm trying to explain all this stuff and they're like you're not making any sense i said i'm not making any sense because i'm telling you how to correct the underlying problem that caused it in the first place so i know that doesn't click in a progressive's mind like that doesn't click because their motto is well we can fix this just by paying for it uh no that that doesn't fix the problem you have to stop and think about how your own incompetence and your negligence got you in that position in the first place. That's what caused you to be there. So you have to go back and say, okay, where did I go wrong? Where did we go wrong? What did we do here that got us to this point? Okay, what can we do to fix that so we don't end up with this? That's the process to do things. There's an order and a process to correctly build and structure society. It's national suicide if you don't do it correctly, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's mm-hmm. what it is. So there's an order and a process to facilitate society in order to do it correctly so it doesn't fall in on itself and collapse, which is what we're dealing with now because of incompetence. The proper steps have not been taken. The proper facilitation has not been followed. So that's just a, a long-standing thing. So, I mean, that, that you've got to correct the underlying issues. That's so key in all this is you've got to correct the underlying issues. Let's talk about Senator Tom Cotton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he's been a prominent voice in all this COVID-19 stuff, right? He, he's been out. He's been very outspoken. And he's just um, he's your typical, I guess. <laughs> so like, he gives off like that typical Republican vibe. You know what I mean? But yeah. the Wall G Journal, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal. No, I, I think I had it right the first time. Uh, the Arkansas senator, <laughs> the Arkansas senator, right? He's um, he came on. He got into politics about 15 years ago, right? And he's in the Senate now. And he apparently has been a longtime advisor to Trump. Okay, but he's come out pretty strong on a lot of issues. He talks about things like immigration. He talks about China. He's very keen on pushing for aggressive politics on China. So 
this is the the question now is could he be the next person in line to come up after Trump to carry that ball. I personally, I think it's good. They're going to try for for. I think the party's going to try for eight years of pants. That's my that's my guess. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I'm just speculating at this point. But Cotton, Tom Cotton, he's got he's got a lot going for him. Okay, first of all, he's hate to say this, but he's a Harvard grad. Uh, so I mean, he's got brains about himself. Supposedly, uh, I know a lot of people that uh, don't have brains that are you know Harvard grads, but he comes out. He talks sense. He's articulate. He knows how to speak. He knows how to word things. He's a veteran. Served time in Afghanistan, I believe, and so he's got military experience. And he he knows how to uh, he knows how to play the geopolitical game. And I'm sorry, he was an Iraq War veteran. I'm sorry, not Afghanistan. I apologize. But he's been a he's been a, a very outspoken voice in the midst of all this. Do you know much about Cotton? I've so I've heard him in the news and whatnot, and you know I've heard of him uh, and some of his stances and everything. I haven't looked at his record specifically, um, but I, I agree he's definitely positioning himself for future runs uh, as president. Uh, that's definitely what it feels like. Yeah. And he's also one of the guys he's coming out right now and he's calling it. I mean, he he wrote an op ed uh, and he's calling for uh, Donald Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act in the midst of all this, which I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what in the world we're waiting on when it comes to that, because if this is not an insurrection, then what is? If, if this is not yeah. an insurrection, what is? What classifies an insurrection? Could you pull the, the textbook definition of, a, of an insurrection for me? Could you pull that? A violent uprising against an authority or government. Would you say that that's what this is? They're out there calling. They're, they're, they're smashing up stores. They're burning down businesses and residences. They're looting. They are killing people in the streets. They're, they're beating people almost to death in, certain, in some cases. They're assaulting police. And they're calling for an overthrow of the capitalist system. Would you call that an insurrection? Because I would. I don't know what else you'd call it. Well, yeah, what else would you call it? Other than peaceful protest, obviously. I couldn't know myself. Anyway, uh, but yes, uh, Cotton is one of those guys that's uh, he, he's very hawkish. And uh, yeah. on his foreign policy, I mean, certain things like he's in favor of keeping troops in the Middle East, parts of the Middle East and stuff. I mean, look, if we're some some form of, uh, of stabilizer over there, fine. But we need to be talking about drawdowns at this point. Trump's pulled us out of Afghanistan. I mean, hello. Does this not resonate with anybody? He's pulled us out of Afghanistan, a failed war in there for 20 years. He's pulled us out of that. He's done the drawdown from Syria. He's done the drawdown from Iraq. What else do you want him to do? He's taken on China. So when it comes to his foreign policy, Trump's foreign policy, I'm on board with it. Cotton's, I'm not. I don't like the idea, but I know what he's thinking. He's thinking geopolitics, but he's basing that on old strategy and his military service. So I can respect that. But as far as his- No, I'm not sure he's wrong either, but I mean, I'm just I'm looking at it from a sense of at this point of what are we doing? Right. What, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Because we're broke. Like, we're, I mean, I'll say it as a nation, we're broke. We can't afford to do this. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's how I'm looking at it from a fiscal standpoint. But he's looking at it from geopolitics. But his stance on China, I'm on board with. I'm on board with. He thinks that that organization, the CCP, he's, he's come out against the CCP. And that's, by the way, mm-hmm. this the Wall Street Journal. I mean, this is like the number like where I'm reading this stuff about cotton. They're basically taking cotton to the woodshed in this op-ed. That's what's happening because they see him. The CCP sees him as a threat because the CCP takes out full page ads in the Wall Street Journal. That's why I call it the Wall G Journal. So in this sense, he is not a fan of uh, of the CCP and the CCP doesn't like him. I think he has a good chance. I, I think he has a good chance if he plays his cards right, which, like I said, in the in the beginning, when I started seeing him come out, I'm like, I think he's going to make a run in, down the yeah. line. 
You know, I think he's going to make a run. The way he's talking, the way he's being very uh, aggressive and outspoken, and the way that he's presenting himself. And you can see that he's still got like that, uh, you know, that persona that's basically anti everything that these people on the far left are. He's got the family at home, the two small kids, you know, that kind of stuff. And you can hear him screaming Mm -hmm. in the background on the interviews that he's given over the telephone. You know, I mean, he's just and he talks like a normal guy. You know, Cotton does. He, he talks like a normal guy. He's not in there with all the political stuff. He doesn't talk around things. Nothing. He talks like a normal straight shooting person, like we're sitting here talking like this. That's how he presents himself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that will resonate with people. And he's young enough. You know, he's got the whole clean cut Republican looks types. You know what I mean? With the nice hair and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's there. He's got it all. So. Uh, It's hard to say, but it's something that we're going to have to watch. But I I think that it's possible. You know, I I saw it a few months back. I think it's possible that he could make that run. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And, you know, you mentioned Pence earlier. I I think that would be a terrible strategy idea for Republicans, honestly. Okay, well, I'm curious. I'm curious. What? Why? Now, I'm not saying that that that's their plan. I've heard that. I've Mm -hmm. heard that, Mm -hmm. that it's possible that they'll do eight years of Pence after this. So what, why do you think that that would be a bad thing? I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of neutral on the thing at the moment. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what to think of it. But what why, why are you saying that it would be a bad thing or a mistake? I don't believe Pence to be a leader. He's Pence feels more like a second, if you will, right? A good second. And mm-hmm. I just don't think he has the, the charisma to be a, a full-blown leader. On top of the fact, he is a very devout Christian. And I'm not knocking him for that, but because of the current media and everything, the talking points, he's an easy target, um, especially with his past stances on homosexuality and and okay. Um, so what you you're know, saying is, I, I, what you're saying is he's, he doesn't have he's not politically hardened, is what you're saying. He's not um, politically hardened. Yeah, it's he's just not a good image, if you will, for. The voting population. I don't. I don't think it, it, he resonates with uh, the majority of the U.S. because I'm not sure the majority of the U.S. still holds to the some of the classic traditions that uh, is American. You know, when you put it like that, I I, I do kind of get that uh, that Ronald Reagan vibe from him. You know what I mean? Like the um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the old style from you know 30 years ago, country club Republican. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like he's he's there. He's got the nice smile. He's got that. And I, I know people that have actually met uh, Mike Pence uh, recently, and they mm-hmm. say that he's just, uh, you know, he's, he's just a normal. He's a normal guy. Uh, of yeah. course, you know, when the when the cameras are off and stuff. But yeah, I, I could see that from. him. Yeah. OK. All right. Yeah. I see, I see your point on that. But see what I get from from guys like Tom Cotton, Senator Cotton. He's not that he does have that that attitude where he's not spineless. Right. That, that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. He's aggressive. He comes out directly. He's he's well spoken. He goes right after the issue. And you're right. Pence doesn't do that, does he? No, he, no, he doesn't. He takes, do that. He, he takes too much of the assumed what Christians should be role. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I'm not for the Christians being, um, shall we say, weak. You know, I uh, I remember I was reading on JFK once and he, uh, you know, because I, I admired what the guy did. Uh, the, you know, the speeches he gave. I mean, you know, JFK used to write his own stuff. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest controversies with him about putting him on the ticket at the time to run him for the president. You know, people didn't want that. 
that like the, the people around the country didn't want that because they thought and you're not gonna believe this they thought that if because kennedy was catholic right and mm-hmm. They thought that if Kennedy would have gotten elected, then the United States would have been run from the Vatican. That's what they thought. Right, right. So, I mean, if you can imagine, like, so, so you're basically saying that those days are gone. If you were to get some um, uh, so, someone like Pence in there, you're, you're saying that type of attitude would, uh, would would dissipate. Yeah, I don't I don't believe people feel that way anymore uh, as far as uh, and honestly, that, that's kind of conspiratorial level uh, thinking. Right. And I, I don't I'm sure there's someone out there that'll prove me wrong and go straight for that. But no, I, I, I don't I don't think people are going to. Uh, it's more of a just Christian in general. Now, it's not even whether he's Catholic or not. And honestly, because he is Catholic, that's another thing that's going to be against, you know, on, on his um, record, if you will, against him. He's against abortion. So that's obviously mm-hmm. he's against women's rights. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course, because, well, th- this week it'll be that and then next week it'll be something else. Come election time in 150 something days. That's what it's going to be. Right. But yeah. uh, I think we're good uh, unless you want to talk about Chris Co- uh, Chris Cuomo being naked and on Instagram. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm still standing by my I don't want to give the guy any more. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, he's an idiot in the first place. OK, I mean, the guy's a, the, he's a complete fool. But, you know. He is, um, you know what, I, I don't even want to give, yeah, you're right, I'll, I'll go with that. He's just, yeah, it, it was completely stupid. I guess his wife does like Instagram yoga stuff or whatever it is, and he was he was caught out back completely naked in the garden. <laughs> it, was just, it was just stupid. But anyway, you know what, Bruce, it was nice to sit down, I'm, unfortunately we're going to have to end here, but it was nice to have a somewhat level conversation in the last two days. It's nice because I'm just kind of thinking that the last two days, I'm like, you know what, I don't want to get work, worked up last two days, because even though I'm seeing the sensational stuff, it's not as sensational as it has been. So you notice that I think it, that vibe is starting to to kind of lose its its luster, if you will, the riots and stuff. People are starting to realize, oh, that's kind of unpopular. So now, as you said this morning, CNN is like shifting back to the COVID stuff. They're, they're shifting back yep. to that. So yeah, and you got the WHO coming back out now with all their antics and their nonsense. So yeah, it's nice to, to just kind of take a step back calm down, have a decent conversation about some stuff that's going on in the day and move on. So maybe tomorrow we'll get back to the shouting (laughs) because we're going to get GP here tomorrow. So anything else you wanted to cover today? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 